Hello, this is Emmanuel Obomnaya. So very soon, there is going to be the end of this world as we now know it. We began to show in our last conversation that the judgment of the believer is different from that of the unbelievers. We began to make this point by reading the words of our Lord Jesus Christ out of John chapter 3 verse 17 to 19 and John chapter 5 verse 24. And by the way, let me just add one more scripture to that. Look at this, John chapter 3 and verse 36. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Like I mentioned, there are people who are condemned already right now. The wrath of God is hanging over their heads. Now, to strengthen your hope in Christ, I need to help you properly see that according to the scriptures, the judgment seat of Christ for the believer is for the purpose of rewards. Romans chapter 14 verse 10, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So the Apostle Paul here says by the Spirit of God that every believer will stand before Christ's judgment seat. In other words, he's telling the believers in Rome that no one should take upon themselves the role of a judge over other believers because Christ is the one who is going to do that. Now, in just a moment, we will see what kind of a judgment that judgment will be when we stand before him. And by the way, the Bible tells us that every single person who has lived on this earth, both believers and unbelievers, will be judged by Christ. But for the believers, we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 what kind of judgment we will have on the day we are judged. Now, before I get to teaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's see some priceless truths found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, this is going to be a long read, but you should pay very close attention to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 1 to 7. I'm reading out of the Living Bible. It says, How is it that when you have something against another Christian, you go to law and ask a heathen court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other Christians to decide which of you is right. Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge and govern the world? So why can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge and reward the very angels in heaven? So you should be able to decide your problems down here on earth easily enough. Why then go to outside judges who are not even Christians? I am trying to make you ashamed. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these arguments? But instead, one Christian sues another and accuses his Christian brother in front of unbelievers. To have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you as Christians. Why not just accept mistreatment and leave it at that? It would be far more honoring to the Lord to let yourselves be cheated. Now, there's a whole lot to learn and discuss from what we've just read. But for the sake of the direction of my teaching, I want to emphasize just a few. Notice from the passage that God doesn't see any sense in discussing the shortcomings of his family members in the presence of those who are not members of his family. Bringing the flaws of Christians before those who don't believe in Jesus is totally disapproved by God and unacceptable to him. He says that all such issues should be resolved within the family of believers. Please understand this. 
When God wants to show his children where they went wrong and then corrects them, he doesn't do so in public. That is never the way that God does his things. Listen, friends, here's the point I want you to see. If God tells us to act the way he's telling us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you ought to see from this that he himself won't behave different. In other words, when God judges his children at the end of the age, he wants to do so in the presence of the unbelievers. No, the unbelievers will not be there. That's why you read in Matthew chapter 25 from verse 31 all the way to verse 46, that when Jesus comes and sits on his throne to judge the world, there will be a separation. That is the essence of the separation. I believe that Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 shows us that the book of life will be used to carry out this sorting. So God's people, the sheep, shall be separated towards his right hand, and the unbelievers, which the scripture calls the goats in that passage, will be set towards his left. Then the scripture goes on to tell us that they will be sent away into everlasting punishment. Friends, know and understand this. God's family business will not be trashed before non-family members. Yes, the works of God's children will be examined and scrutinized, but that won't happen before those who didn't place their trust in Jesus. Our judgment and their judgment won't be the same, and both will not take place at the same time. For the unbelievers, there's what the book of Revelations in chapter 20 from verse 11 to 15 calls the great white throne judgment. God willing, we will pick it up from here in our next conversation.